You are listening to the Limelister podcast between. This is episode 283. This week I'm talking to Jan Vec, who reached out to me, wanting to make contact in uh, these troubled times and to seek some sort of reality checking to make sure he wasn't the one who was going crazy. I, I reached out to you in the first place was that I'm uh, kind of irritated at the moment um, and I know I'm not alone but uh, I feel quite alone um, when I look around in my immediate environment you know um, about a year ago I started having some uh, discussions with friends of mine and I was uh, quite shocked that they were all in favor of uh, those uh, political restrictions imposed on all of us. And uh, that hasn't changed ever since. Um, I mean, I, I was expecting they might, might change their opinion, but didn't happen. Uh, they, they have lived like that for several months now, for about a year, and uh, they are still all in favor, all except one. Um, they are all in favor of the restrictions imposed on us, you know, those drastic changes to society. Mm-hmm. So how are your relations with them then? Somewhat strained, I'm guessing. Yeah, it is a bit, it has become a bit strange, you know. We are still in touch and I've known them for a long time. We were born in the same town, we grew up together and we spent a lot of time together in our 20s. Um, so, yeah, I do consider them my friends, really, and uh, I'm, I'm their friend, and I want to be there for them. So basically, we can talk about everything, but now there is this one topic we can't talk about, and this is a political one, you know, and um, we've we've tried to agree on not not mentioning political things anymore but this gets increasingly harder Mm. since since a lot of things can turn political all of a sudden you know it depends on the time you live in that's right that's right these these harsh times that we live in uh even a poem or whatever whatever minor thing it might be can suddenly become a political one yeah i mean I'm kind of surprised even to have it categorized as political, like a vaccination, for example. Well, that's hardly, I mean, it is political, but it's hardly only political. And the same with these other things, a pandemic, is it, you know, the, the medical statistics and so on and so forth, right? So so you're saying it's a political disagreement, but it, but it's actually much broader and deeper isn't it than that because it's all about information and what's going on and whether we're being lied to and whether our choices are being taken away from us so that's that's social that's just, those these are social questions yeah 
I, I agree. I agree. And I mean, how would you want to differentiate between the political sphere and the social sphere? Um, I mean, they are intermingling somehow. Um, yeah. What I was so, so, so surprised about is that people actually experience what it's like to give up a huge part of their freedom to have their civic rights withdrawn and uh, to have this kind of freedom abolished that we used to enjoy a year before. And uh, now that they've experienced that, they're still all in favor. Um, it's like they have adopted to this new way of life. And now basically our everyday life is a political matter. And, you know, it's, it starts once you leave the house. You, you can't walk, you can't stand where you choose. You know, it's all of a sudden, it's not it's not guaranteed you, you might be allowed to leave your house whenever you like. These things have changed. And I feel I don't want to be told where to stand, where to walk. That is something so transgressive, so outrageous that I could never accept it. So what kind of arguments do they make? I mean, what do you make of it? Are they just so afraid of the idea that we're all going to die? Is it, is it that simple or is, it, is there more to it? I think they argue they have science on their side. Um, they choose a scientific approach and uh, some of them argue they are quite good at calculating and they have the numbers and they can use the numbers to do the math and they com can they can compare the numbers they can come up with uh, with the numbers mentioned in the media and they point at this and saying okay you see that's what the situation look looks like mm -hmm. right so statistical kind of argumentation well okay um, so that's part of it so you're saying that they're they're arguing that there really is a pandemic it's not being exaggerated that would be step number one to accepting the program step number two is is that the measures being implemented are effective the masks the social distancing the stay at home the vaccine etc so then they have to go they're also saying they've got science on their side there but okay Am I right so far? They're saying, yes, we, we know the masks work, we know, yeah, all of this. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're not exactly celebrating this, you know. They, they, they would like to have their own lives back, but they totally accept that all this is uh, supposedly necessary. Well, that was one of the things I was wondering, is it? Because for some people, there is a certain novelty, the new normal has a certain novelty to it. And, and for some people, or many people, it does include not having to go to work, spending more time just lying around on the couch watching TV. So, is that, I mean, is this part of it? That, plus, the, the, the sort of the LARPing that I talked about on the recent Men's Meet podcast, the live-action role-play of being in a supposed crisis pandemic situation, that, that, that seems to appeal to people as well. So... Is this part of it that they they're actually adapting to the new normal? Don't want to use that phrase really, but anyway, to the <laughs> to the restriction, the totalitarian clampdown, um, in a way that they 
they kind of like it. No, I, I don't think so. No, no, it's not going that far. No, they're not feeding from it, so mm. to say. No, right. it's uh, no, no. They they do have jobs. They do have families, and uh, they are not benefiting from this situation somehow, and also not psychologically. It's not like they are somehow celebrating this. No, they are. They, they would like like to have their old lives back. I'm certain about that. Mm. Um, but anyhow, they they see a necessity for this, and they they say it's not worth arguing about it, um, and there can be no question this is right. Right. Um, well, there is one thing possibly that there's a psychological benefit, which is if people feel that this is the necessary and the right way to prevent the death of the species, or at least you know millions of deaths, uh, then they can feel that they're being virtuous by making the sacrifices that they're making. That that might count as some sort of psychological payback because people really want to feel good about themselves and what they're doing. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think um, if you look at a lot of people, um, they are very afraid. Fear is the driving factor behind uh, their actions and uh, behind the way they think these days and they present themselves. Um, and I think at the same time, while they are fear-driven, they are desperately trying to establish an identity and um, I think it's like looking into a mirror when you look into a mirror you you see a clear picture and anything else would be disturbing if you just saw a rough outline of your face and I think the same is true for social identity and now that fear is being spread and fear is the driving factor between behind behind the news and the policies, uh, people have adopted to that and they integrate that in their lives and they think they have to become part of this big movement in order to maintain an identity. This makes sense. Yeah, yeah it does. There's, um, there's a sort of self-fulfilling quality to it. The more that the the messaging, wherever it's coming from, because you can't even say mainstream media anymore because a lot of it's coming through social networking and actual individuals are, are passing on the, the memes. But anyway, the more the messaging reinforces the idea that this is the right way, we've got science on our side, and this is what sensible, responsible people are doing, the more that people who want to feel that they're sensible and responsible will want to go along with that because of what you're saying, that the sense of of our, our sense of security and our sense of identity and our sense of safety and of meaning and purpose and all these very deep things depends on um, being part of a a consensus. Yeah, being knowing your place in a community. Which, yeah, the basic, the bottom line is something healthy and sane. Like, we are community creatures, so we do... I don't want to say a herd, because that's exactly the way we don't want to go, that it is going, is the herd that's being stampeded. But to be part of a tribe, to be part of a system, 
that includes other human beings, the community, is basic to our survival and it's basic to our biology, I think, we really are. We're not solitary creatures, generally speaking. So that, that baseline's been exploited. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, so it's like we said at the start, the, social, the politicals become the social and the socials become political. So people are afraid of social ostracization, which we all are to some degree, me yeah. less, me less yeah. than just about anyone I know, actually, but for whatever reason. Um, we're all afraid of that. And if social acceptance is becoming more and more ideologically and politically determined... We're being corralled. Identities, yeah. yeah. But then, if you if you don't go along, or if you do not, if you, if you refuse to become uh, part of this this movement um, of this uh, supposed epic battle against this uh, virus, if you refuse that, if you question all that, um, you might you might be in danger to lose that very identity that you are trying to uphold. That's basically, um, it's, you know, such an identity can disintegrate uh, once people start start giving you other signals. I mean, if you want to maintain a certain identity, you need to be in touch with your environment. If your environment lets you know there is something severely wrong with you that you just don't get it. And if you, if they give you the feeling you're ostracized, uh, then the identity that, that you're trying to uphold um, crumbles. So it sounds, I mean, clearly you're speaking personally, so I don't necessarily want to veer off into the general, because what you're talking about is very profound and it directly correlates with, with my work over the years and with David Shan's work, you know, what is the identity and, and do we need it and can we get free of it? That's the, that's the deeper thing and, and, and then you're pointing to the, how the identity is a social construct to, to a large degree. And I talk about the social alters as a term. But anyway, putting that aside for now because that's the deep stuff, this is, or the general stuff, this is very personal to you. And it sounds as though that's what you're feeling, that you're feeling as though your sense of identity is 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 in jeopardy in some way. Um no, not really. No, not really. I'm 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 happy that this is not, not the case. I'm actually not not struggling to to maintain a sense of my identity. Um but that is mainly because I'm uh, happily married. Yeah. And, uh, You've got I, your I, tribe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Become a family man, and so uh, that's that's good. And um, also, I I can talk to uh, my my mother and uh, her husband. They agree with me too, and uh, they 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 you know have a different perspective of what's going on at the moment. Right. Um, they they disagree with the mainstream media as well, so that that feels good. So I'm I'm not alone, not really. Um, no. Okay, so that's I mean that's good, that's great. Uh, there probably aren't many people who will listen to this, although I imagine there are a lot of people who won't, who are, who are entirely alone in the sense of 
Yeah. They're, the, they're the only one who's seeing that the emperor's naked, that the pandemic is, etc. Right, and and they don't dare say it. But there are people like that anyway, and who knows? Maybe maybe one or two of them are listening to this. Um, but it's a spectrum. Like so, for me, uh, currently I've more or less got the illusion that just about everyone I'm going to be in contact with sees what I see to some degree or another, and that's largely because. Um, well, I, I, in a certain sense, I select those who speak. To, I speak to, although they also select me. Like you reached out to me, yeah. but I agreed to speak to you. We're speaking already on the basis, and even because that we share a perception, and we want to, you know, compare notes and to check and so on and so forth. However, I am becoming aware that there are somebody just commented at my blog saying after this long post about the vaccine that I made thinking I bet say something it might be a bit yeah. closing the stable after the horse has bolted I think it might be coming a bit late but uh, I thought I'd do it and somebody commented saying well I got the vaccine and I'm going to get the next one next week and yeah I'm having weird after effects but isn't it interesting and I mean I didn't even know what to make of that it's like they, they weren't volunteering to be an experiment in you know in, in this grand genetic experiment and they didn't seem to mind but anyway my point my point was that, that I am finding out that uh, where I think there's agreement the prop that perhaps isn't and when it gets to the nuts and bolts and I'm sort of changing where I was going with this so maybe I'll be able to come back to where I was originally going but when it comes to nuts and bolts people um, they don't necessarily uh, put their money where their mouth is they might have a certain view and we might seem to agree but when it comes to oh well shall I take this weird non-vaccine that's going to mess with my genes or not um, yeah I'll take it you know that <laughs> when it actually yeah. comes to action it's very different to what they believe anyway and the, but the original part I was going to make is is that we don't really know um how long we can count on how many people to continue to question or to to resist the pull of the herd the stampede because it has it's, it's like got centrifugal force it's got a gravitational pull yeah. yeah yeah that is true that is true and you were just asking me whether i felt that alone and whether i felt my identity is under threat um and I could happily answer, now it's not the case, but um, I think what we talked about so far is true for most of the people around us. And even if, if people might have their doubts about what's going on, even if they may choose for not getting vaccinated, uh, if, they, if they could actually make a free choice, um, you know, those, those people might give in to this social pressure building up. And besides also, um, they a lot of people just expose themselves to constant propaganda. And that's another thing that really surprised me. Um, because, you know, in, in Germany, Germany has, uh, has a horrible history, unique horrible history. And um, when you grow up here and go to school, um, focus of your education is on critical thinking and on questioning uh, what you're being told and on 
uh, you know, asking yourself, uh, is the media doing the job properly? And I think all this is just not happening, just not happening now that it counts, you know, mm. nothing of that critical thinking can be seen anywhere. Mm. And that's what, that's what's actually freaking me out. That scares me, must have been. Yeah. So it begs the question, I mean, what, was, what were you learning in university? I mean, this supposedly critical thinking and questioning authority and the, and the media, and if it's not actually translating into any kind of practical application, then where are you just being propagandized, you know, in, in, a, in a very subtle and disguised way that was supposedly preparing you not to be propagandized? I should say we, because it's not, it's not specific to Germany, but it seems to me that education, the more advanced it is, the more, the more closer it gets to, to brainwashing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I think uh, the education system is, the European education system is quite comparable, I think, no matter what country you look at. Yeah. Um, I guess it's a bit different in the US. It's probably worse in the US. I mean, yes. there's a, there's a race, a critical race theory and gender studies and all these things. They've, 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 they've jumped a certain shark where two plus two equals five. And, and I'd say it's the me, it's the wet. I mean, one of the things said about the education system, and we might be going on a digression here, but that it's, you know, based on this Prussian system of indoctrination. So the bells ringing and the compartmentalized class periods of time and people filing from one room to the other we're being programmed not not specifically by the information or the disinformation that's been put in us but the way it's being put in us and I think that that's true in subtler ways that the education system it might be delivering seemingly useful facts and arguments and but the way the way that we're actually being taught to think is much more discreetly uh, implemented and that's that's where it is. I think we're being taught not to think. We have been conditioned not to think for ourselves. I and mean, that's very basic to the education system. You're just supposed to memorize stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's how the argument goes. That's how any discussion goes, you see. I mean, I, I agree, yeah, that's that's what we learn, how to have a discussion, you know, just just collect data and analyze it and come to a conclusion, and this conclusion is valid as long as it gets falsified. That's That's basically what we learn, but the data we refer to, that might be, I think there's nothing wrong about this, but it might not actually lead to true results all the time you know it might might not be the system might not be as reliable as it claims to be i think that so that's the understatement of the day i think if not the year <laughs> or the decade uh yeah so and that that to me that's the bottom line i didn't want to get there too quickly but how is it that all of your friends or is it that all of them, but a couple rely on the system and think that it's trustworthy. Yeah. Despite not just the historical evidence, but the current evidence to the contrary. Yeah. But 
but they do yeah they take the scientific approach they refer to the data um and they feel they're on the right side obviously right side and anyone who might be arguing with that is a bit deluded but how did it get that so quickly surely don't you think two years ago if you had said to them in a couple of years we're going to put our total trust in the government and in the institutions we're going to do exactly what they say and they're going to take away all our freedoms and we're going to be happy about it wouldn't they have said you're mad that would never happen yeah they they, they would have said you're mad i think so and besides if you had anyone if, if you told anyone two years ago would you take a vaccine that has been developed in a few months time um when you know very well that the standard procedure which is the only way to guarantee safety is to develop a vaccine over the course of several years but you take it yes or no i mean the answer is obvious you have got that nobody would have taken the vaccine nobody would have opted for that but nowadays it's different and by the way did you did you get to hear that the german government has stopped or has banned uh, one vaccine temporarily now because government has learned there might be some uh, critical side effects thrombosis i think you mentioned that um you know and some people have died from that now and now one vaccine has been banned temporarily i think um it will not take very long until they they give it to the people again and convince them that somehow it's safe because they they tell them um yeah, isn't that insane? I do. I do have chills as I hear you speak. I also feel like I could start crying at any moment because I just don't know what to make of it. It doesn't doesn't do add doesn't add up doesn't add up except to say well people are brainwashed and they've been turned into automatons. But I don't particularly want to go there. It's just it feels so dismissive, right? But yeah. Well, I, I don't want to be dismissive, you know, and if I come across a bit cynical now, it's not because I'm happy about people suffering. It's more about uh, being, you know, shocked by this insanity that they just give this vaccine to millions of people without having it tested and people are willing to take it. Um, and now it has been banned temporarily, at least, um, due to the risks that uh, other scientists have talked about before, but those scientists were not listened to, or they were dis discredited and ridiculed. Right. Yeah, sad thing. Any apology accompanying the temporary banning? No, no. There are already voices, uh, or experts in the media saying uh, that the thrombosis might not be connected to, uh, to the vaccine. Uh, thrombosis is a very common thing you know so right right um which vaccine is it do you know uh i think it's astrazeneca which is uh is that an mrna one uh, i i don't really know yeah. it's pretty hard to keep track isn't it yeah. I, I, I was just tracking the pfizer one because that just seemed the most obviously malevolent yeah yeah it's it's AstraZeneca. I just googled it, by the way. Mm. Um.
do you think if we could go back in time, mm. you know, just imagine anything would be better these days? Anything could have changed? Or do you think a similar situation would have developed? Are you, are you working on a time machine and wondering <laughs> yeah. how far to go back to try and correct the course of history? Yeah. I suppose I do think that way and then but then I, I feel we have to go back to the Garden of Eden and talk to that serpent or talk to Eve and say I know it seems like a good idea now but trust me <laughs> a few thousand years down the line we're really going to be sorry yeah I think it, so you it, think it would have played out just the same well I mean, it, yeah, um, I think, I think that, yeah, we made a, we took a wrong course a long, long time ago. So I don't think there's much point in trying to trace it back unless you're willing to go that far back, which I am, but most people aren't. Obviously, they think they can just go back five years or 50 years or maybe a couple of hundred years. Or back to the you know the constitution, or you know, they've got these very naive ideas about when the rock began. 
So, so rather than, although I think it's useful if you're willing to go far enough back to aggrandize secret societies as I did with 60 maps of hell and see that this is like a pathogen that's been in the human nervous system for prehistorically, pre that's my, my belief, um, then, and the, and the reason to do that is to, to see what's happening now as clearly as possible, to see if it's possible to make the right choice now. Because we're running out of options, we're running out of time to make choices at all. That seems very clear. And that's what's so disturbing is that it seems as though already millions, if not billions of people are have forfeited the, the, uh, the, the freedom or the opportunity to make a choice. They're, they're, they're not choosing. That's the feeling I'm getting. So then, then it's I think that the numbers are getting smaller and smaller of those of us who are still sentient enough and still courageous enough to make the choice that counts. And this is in the Bible, it's about the mark of the beast. I'm not, I didn't think I would go there and I think it can be counterproductive to, get, <laughs> to go there for probably obvious reasons to you. It's not as though we can counter the faith in science by reverting to a faith in religion. I don't think it's going to work that way, but at least certain sense they do maybe they cancel each other out i don't know but anyway the point is is that that's a, that's a narrative about a certain choice that will determine our fate and uh it's god or mammon you know essentially christ or the devil the beast and as far as i can see it in my own life it seems to be society culture politics uh technology or, or nature and I mean that in a certain sense like it feels like that oversimplifies it but maybe it doesn't I mean maybe it's also the choice between simplicity and complexity um, anyway you're asking about changing the course of history yeah so my point was just that we can change the course of our own lives still but it is getting harder and harder and it does seem riskier and riskier although it's, from my point of view it seems riskier not to choose if you see what I mean it seems riskier to, to stay in the in the flow of the consensus reality like even insanity yeah. even if it's insanity you're talking about identity even if it means that we because the socially uh, enforced identity is becoming more and more imprisoning and leading yeah. cl clearly to sort of collective form of suicide, then uh, it could be that we can't afford to have any kind of identity. And who knows what that would be like. That would be an internal crisis that might be indistinguishable from insanity. I'm mentioning insanity because David Shine has just been focusing on it, but it's something I've written about over the years. Um, so yeah, it's uh, well, it's a willingness to let go of. I think to let go of our trust and our reliance on all kinds of structures, internal and and external, that are imprisoning us. Maybe they always have imprisoned us, but it's just now that the the walls are closing in that we realise. Oh wait, I, I am actually in a structure that has been confining me my whole life and 
and it's time to move now. You know, it's like there's a closing, you know, like one of those the yeah. doors that's automatically yeah. shutting. If you don't run through it now, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about struggling, getting closer to the truth, I guess. I, I think it, to, to me, it felt like you were talking a lot about that. Getting closer to the truth, liberating the self. Mm -hmm. And uh, finding out uh, how you how you get there. Um, but do you do you think coming back to 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 the question, going back in time, could it have, you know, if there was the possibility to go back somewhere? In time, um, mm -hmm. and and you you said it couldn't really change the course of the history. Not not really. Not the outcome of it. Did I get that right? Uh, well, it's funny. I mean, you're talking about this because David Shan has talked about how we're in a a kind of energetic simulation, and I've mentioned it recently as well because I think I've constructed socialized false identity can only create simulations of reality but anyway he's talked about it in a much larger sense that that there's a there's a an ongoing experimentation in human consciousness to see and this is in theology too if god gives us free will will we destroy ourselves will we use it wisely or will we destroy ourselves will we voluntarily align with the good the true the beautiful, the real, the divine, or will we go the way that the, you know the serpent's promise, false promise, and end up destroying ourselves through increased disembodiment? Uh, and and uh, he talks about how this has played out many times. Each time we destroy ourselves, so then we have to go back to the beginning again and try again. And okay. maybe he's talking metaphorically, but maybe he isn't. You know. I mean, the, you know, the consciousness is this infinite field and of eternal happening, right? So, who knows? So, I think it's not so much about going back in time, or at least not literally, but seeing, if possible, it, like to go back in time, the reason wouldn't be to change the course of history, but to see how and why we went wrong last time, so we make the right choice this time. So it wouldn't yeah. be about changing where we've ended up now, it would be about changing where we go next before it's too yeah. late. Yeah. So we're destined to to fail and to get up again and to make it better the next time. Well, so, yeah, something like that. To do that. better the next time. I think it can be just the smallest... I mean, Lloyd DeMouse writes about this as well, like the generations of trauma, childhood trauma, that he writes specifically about, you know, your country and the, what happened in the 30s and 40s, uh, the, the origins of that in child-rearing practices that created the kind of psychological damage that led to that particular movement. Um, but he's talking about the whole of history, so that was just one. That's just one example that's been written large on history's, you know, page. Uh, the the and the only thing that will change it is, 
is very subtle, steady, incremental improvements in how particularly mothers, but also fathers, relate to their children, connect to them, so that the child, children over the time have, have more of a sense of being connected, connected to themselves, and they don't dissociate and they don't disembody. So, who knows on the scale of things, it could just be one wrong move, you know, one, one harsh word versus one tender, loving connection that tips the balance. We don't really know how fragile the balance is. It, it's easy to despair and give up hope, um, looking at what we're looking at. But I, I mean, I try not to focus on the collective in, in the sense of individuals because then it does look hopeless. If we're thinking, well, there's 8 billion people on the planet and 7.8 billion, you know, 98% of them or whatever, are going to go along with this, then what hope is there for that tiny fraction to tip the balance? But in an experiment in consciousness, it could be enough just for, as you're saying, just, just a, a, a man and his wife and his kids to stay true. Who knows? It's like in the Bible with Sodom and Gomorrah. God says, if you can just find one good man, I won't destroy the whole town. Unfortunately, Lot couldn't. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how that played out. And even his wife looked back, so he ended up alone. But anyway, that had an unhappy ending. But it's possible that, that, that God can at least find, you know, one, one couple in all of humanity yeah. and that that will be enough. Yeah, yeah. Christianity is, uh, offers a nice version of uh, the apocalypse, too. Um, there are a lot of apocalyptic religions, and um, I, I think they're suitable metaphors for, for these times, and it's uh, certainly very tempting to, to quote them. And, yeah, maybe true. It's uh, sometimes a bit unsettling. I mean, I... I haven't read any, I'm, I'm, I'm not a member of any religion. And uh, I've, read, I've read a few chapters in the Bible a few years ago, just out of curiosity, but uh, um, I, I couldn't paraphrase like, like you do. Um, you know, so I don't really know about the content and also not about the apocalyptic parts in it. Um, but, um, yeah, I think these these parts of the Bible and also other religions offer their own versions of the apocalypse, right? Um, yeah, they do. A different, I mean, there are different different varieties. Like the Jews have uh, something very distinct, which uh, I'm even going to try and paraphrase actually. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been talking quite a bit with audios and stuff about the Book of Revelation, and I haven't been, I haven't reread it yet because I thought it's very hard to read. It's definitely not nice, uh, but I've been listening to Rudolf Steiner talking about it, and yeah, um, it does have a happy ending. I mean, you could say it's nice in that regard because Christ comes back and the elect. There are a few saved in their white robes, 144,000, which is, is pretty low percentage if you take that out of 8 billion. I worked it out once, back when there were 6 billion of us. 
it's about, it's about I don't know, it's, it's very few anyway. Like in a large, in a city, you'd have one person or something. Anyway, we don't want to get pulled into <laughs> too, too literal thinking here. Yeah. Um, I think there's a, I feel there's an alchemical process at work, if you like. There's a, there's a harvest, which can seem dark and sinister. And I suppose it could be. But anyway, maybe we don't want to get too, too, too pulled into these larger picture narratives. I know that people are, um, people I've spoken to, they are ending up hanging out with Christians because they can't find anyone else to hang out with, uh, which is kind of funny, ironic. You've said a number of times that people have put their faith in science. And yeah. that, so that seems like a key to me. It seems to me, coming back to this point, like two years ago, would your friends have believed that they would be behaving the way they would? And they, you say, no, they, they wouldn't have believed it. So they've been, I would say they must have been primed over the years, over the generations even, but in their own lives, to accept the um, decree of science in a way that has yeah. neutralized all of their inherent innate natural uh suspicion and distrust of the institutions that there's a higher power that is above government that is above the pharmaceuticals the corporate all the things they know that they can't trust somehow they're willing to trust them because they believe that there's a higher power ruling over all those other things which is science yeah yeah that's a new god science yeah, yeah. that's our new god and scientists are the new priests. I'd agree. And I think this is um, this is a characteristic of all the Western societies um, who focus very much on the outer world, which you can experience through your senses. I think this uh, somehow relates to Rudolf Steiner. Okay. Um, you know, just the phrase experience it through your senses. I think I've heard it on your podcast or read it on some of your your blogs. Um, anyway, I, I think it's a bit different if you go to the East, you know, I mean, Asian East, that's what mm. I'm referring to. Um, and I think those people, um, but I'm just more or less guessing here, okay? I'm, I'm not an expert in that. Um, in that culture, you know, I've, I've never been to, to Asia. I don't, I don't really know anything about that culture. I just read uh, Carl Gustav Jung, I, I mentioned it to you. Mm -hmm. um, and he wrote about uh, different uh, or contrasting philosophies and he contrasted the West and the East and uh, talked about uh, Buddhism. And he said, what's special about um, the Eastern philosophy or attitude whatever term you want to choose, is that um, they, they appreciate much more, uh, that they have a much greater appreciation for what's going on inside you. You know, it's like we always look what's going on around us and they look at what's going on inside them. And um, of course, this is might sound overly simplistic, but... Uh, you know, you need to find some, some, some level of abstraction to to make things understandable. 
And um, if you if you keep that in mind, and if you look at how people function as a society, I think our society mirrors just that. You know, this focus on the outer world, on everything you can experience through your senses, everything that can be explained scientifically, and whatever goes on inside, you know, which might even be beyond our clear words that you can find. It doesn't matter. It's just nonsense. Well, if they don't, if we, if we don't actually notice it, then it's not even nonsense, is it? It, it might sound like nonsense if somebody talks about it. I'm wondering about because uh, this idea of innocence—that was even one of the suggestions for the name of the forum, the inner sense. I mean, the innocence of the innocent, inner sense, uh, the lost inner sense, right? Anyway, um, but I'm wondering what you're saying about. Certainly about the East, but I think I'll put that to the side now because I think that there is scientifically uh, um, demented as 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 the West at this point. But anyway, let's put that to the side for the moment. That that the idea that the scientific view is all about just what we can perceive with our senses. I think you were suggesting that now in terms of being yeah, right. But 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 is it actually? I mean, well, there's two two points one is that if our senses have been closed down and even reduced to just apparently five when in fact that's you know we, we sense on a much more multi-dimensional level then are we even really perceiving uh through our senses at all or, or have our senses been co-opted or cohabitated or shut down that's one thing but the other thing is is that how much of science actually isn't to do with what our senses tell us? Because if if you think of a, uh, astronomy to the universe out there, well, I, my senses aren't telling me anything about planets. Maybe my inner senses are, but certainly not my outer senses. If you think about atoms and molecules, even if you think about viruses, I've got no sense-based sense data there. So 98% of science or whatever the correct percentage would be, is based on, on faith itself. It's back to what we're being trained. It's not about the information, but how we're being trained to not think about it. We just receive and memorize a whole body of data, uh, which is only a small fraction, because most of it's classified, as we know, uh, and, and are told that this is science, but we can't verify it. Most of it's unverifiable through the senses because you need microscopes, telescopes, etc. Right? So, yeah. like you said, it's a priestcraft, like the you know the, the yeah. priests of our age. We just take yeah. it on faith. Okay, atoms, quarks, stars, molecules, cells, virus. Okay, that's the way it is. Yeah. Right? So I think if the pe people, we have taken so much on faith and then we feel it's the same larger institution that's saying, wear masks, social distance, stay at home, take the vaccine. We've already been trained to just accept unthinkingly the decree that this is the way it is. And so somehow the same kind of mind that's been configured to believe in atoms and 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 uh, planets and stars and and uh, 
viruses without any evidence direct evidence of the yeah. senses I mean uh, is, is going to then accept these other stuff even though we've got our evidence we've got more evidence that for, a, for example a mask I mean you don't have to be a scientist to be yeah. trained to know a that the mask is, yeah. is, is antisocial yeah. you can't you can't communicate b it's difficult to breathe and c why would that prevent the spreading of this thing that's not yeah. airborne anyway yeah. Right? yeah yeah you're right um a lot of those those objects that are being researched uh, in science cannot be experienced directly through our senses um but uh, i think um, science is working very hard on making it on it, you know, on, on, on telling us how to experience um, the objects being researched. You know <laughs> what I'm, what I, yeah. what I mean. Uh, science is uh, science is addressing us through our senses. You know, we are we are being told stories. We are invited to participate in, in science and experience uh, reality through our senses and well, through the uh, mind though mostly it's through the mind yeah because right? even if it tells stories well movies tell stories but they're although they trigger our senses our sense memories if you see somebody yeah. being shot you've got a sort of visceral sense of you know pain of having the body wounded or people having sex and so on we, we we can generate simulations of what our senses might experience but really it's all coming through the eyes and the ears and it's and the, the mind the mind is the primary generator of faith and belief suspension of disbelief and yeah this is real right it's all it's yeah. all happening in the mind yeah yeah Yeah, but the information come from the outer world. It's not. Yeah, it's uh, coming. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's coming from outside. Yeah, it's all coming from the outside, and you're not being encouraged to explore your inner world. No. I think this is something that has been has been lost. I think. Yeah. You know, meditation groups. You you hear about that a lot, and. They always have this, you know, slightly strange odor to it. You know, they're not a bit, a bit strange would be too strong a word, but those people participating in, uh, in uh, meditation courses, are they not a bit weird sometimes, you know? This is not my opinion. It's just how, how they are. Right. They come across in in this society, you know. They are not really mainstream. And if if you find a fitness club that offers those uh, courses, I I think a lot of people that go there are being looked at, you know, like they, you know, should not be taken too seriously. I suppose there are CEOs that do medication, med meditation courses, <laughs> and so on. Like there are, there's a sort of utilitarian view of it. I think, yeah, yeah? that it can help optimize your performance. Uh, yeah, it can. Yeah, everything can help optimize your 
performance uh, in the business right. world. Yeah. Right. So it has been, it's a weird thing because it's been incorporated into the mainstream. Yoga certainly has. There's a lot yeah. of spiritual practices that have been mainstreamized. Okay. Yeah. But, Can... but, but you're right that even meditation, uh, in my opinion, mostly doesn't facilitate what we're talking about. It's okay. become conceptual as well. They're trying to still the mind, for example. Well, they spend, you know, seven days just working on stilling your mind. Well, why bother? Why bother? Just, just notice and start noticing the inner senses and getting relaxed, 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 and breathing. And I mean, this is this again. David Shannon's, uh, he's introducing some of these things now: the breathing and the tuning into the body, not that it's new, but he's focusing on it more. And one of the obstacles he faces is, is that if it becomes a technique, then it's not the thing. Like if we're making ourselves breathe in a particular way in order to, etc., etc. No, it's, it's, it's the natural, rediscovering the natural way of breathing, the natural way of walking, the natural way of talking, the natural way of, of uh, working, the natural way of thinking, there's, there's these basic things on my grass horse proposal, I don't know if you read it, the, uh, the really, es yeah. essential elements of living. There's these yeah. very basic things, and this is back to going back in time. I think in a certain sense we can go back in time because we can go back to what it was once like to be a human organism on the earth and, yeah. and remember how simple it is to be natural. Yeah, children are quite good at that too, you know. They just uh, naturally stick to those uh, essential elements of living. Well, they also want sugar and, and uh, TV shows, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they, they, they sleep, they laugh, and uh, the, the things that you, yeah, that you mentioned, I think it were eight elements of essential living, sleeping, Sleeping, eating, drinking, loving. Loving, uh, drinking wasn't one of them because that was with uh, eating. Uh, let's see, thinking, breathing, sleeping, dreaming, uh, eating, loving, working. There's one, there's one more. Sleeping? Yeah. No, I said that one. Okay, okay. Yeah, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Anyway, I, I get the feeling that... Uh, walking, I think it was walking. Oh, yeah, walking. walking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, walking. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and I think children are quite good at that. As, as long as you, as you leave them alone, alone enough to, to experience work like this, you know, as long as you don't spoil it all. But, well... I, it, it gets complicated, doesn't it, when you have to send your children to school, for example, because this is what we've been talking about today, yeah. that over time we all get conditioned out of a natural way of being and into an unnatural yeah. one. Yeah, absolutely. But but you can undo it, you know. It's, it's not like uh, damage taken that, can't, that is uh, irreversible. Um, for example, I can't sit still in one place for eight hours. And, you know, I, I was trained to do that during my school career. And 
during my studies. Um, not so much then anymore, but anyway, during during my early career, um, when I had an office job, I had to sit at a desk for eight hours a day. And I could do this. Um, and now I, I do not have such an office job. I work as a freelancer at the moment. And um, I work a lot from home. And I walk uh, up and down the kitchen, you know, and I have my laptop on, on a counter, but I do not sit down. And once I have to sit down for a longer time, I really have trouble doing that. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I experienced this the first time, I was a bit shocked and thought, oh my God, you're, you're just like the little children at school, you know, who the teachers have trouble with because they, they can't sit in a place and just won't listen to what the teacher's telling them. And I thought, oh my God, now you're just the same. But then I discovered, you know, I, I don't want to sit in one place for for such a long time. I, I, I think this is not, not the right approach to learn anything of, of value, you know. Sure. And besides, if you look back at school, I mean, yeah, exactly. what are the things that, that stick? I mean, it's supposed to be education. I mean, this is a huge topic. Maybe we shouldn't get lost in this. But um, if you if you try to remember the many things that you could you could mention that you actually learned at school. Nothing. <laughs> no, I mean, really, I don't remember anything, or at least I don't. If I do, I don't. I don't need to. Um, well, I, I've said it many times. I learned how to get around the system at school. <laughs> I, I learned how to, how to avoid being programmed yeah. and indoctrinated. So it's very useful for me, but, but that's definitely not what they were trying to teach me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll bring it back to the, the, the situation and your situation specifically. You know, I just done a big blog post that's it's, well, it's literally full of facts because there's, there's hundreds of links at the bottom. Somebody sent me all these links. It's the latest one, right? I, I yeah. think I, yeah, I read that. Yeah. So I thought, well, I just want to present, you know, a very condensed version of why I would never take this fake vaccine, even though I don't need to for myself because I'd never even think about wondering about questioning whether I would or not. It's just it's just not even on my radar. I wouldn't even I don't even take aspirin, you know, never mind. So um but I'm aware that people I know know people who are taking it, so it becomes more anyway, point was I uh, not only did I write the article that's lots of quotes and, and links, but then I included hundreds of links below. Just, I don't know, why not? Just put it out there as a body of evidence. If someone that's at least not on the fence even, but at least not 100% sure, should I take this vaccine or should I think about it a bit before? Maybe, just maybe. All of this data, even if they don't go to it, just knowing it's there, will the penny will drop. Wait, I haven't, I'm not informed enough to make this decision. So don't, don't make the decision not, not to make a decision. If, well, that can go both ways, but I mean, make a decision not to take the vaccine yet. Don't decide to take the vaccine yet kind of thing. So it's a non-decision decision. 
but at least wave. Anyway, I, I just mentioned this because um, in, in this and with the COVID pandemic, you know, whether it's real or not, uh, it would seem as though getting informed is really important. So it would seem as though getting our hands on as many facts as possible in this war on human sentience, as I put it, is, is central to it. But on the other hand, it's a double-edged sword, as we've been talking about today, like memorising facts itself may shut down our senses in a way because we just get more and more top-heavy. And the people who are being, who are allowing themselves to be corralled into, I would say, bad choices, and this happened to the friend of, with the friend of the friend that I mentioned at the very top of the blog post, the person who chose to take a vaccine and said they think they'd made an adult intelligent decision, uh, they were sent by this other person, the, you know, the, the mutual friend, uh, some information about why not to, and their response was, yeah, but I could send you a, a, a something else that just makes exactly the opposite argument, so let's not even talk about it. So people can always counter facts with their version of facts, yeah. because they're just, they're already decided. So, I don't know where I was going with this exactly. I wanted to bring it back to the vaccine and to your situation. That it's, I think you must have discovered that it's, it's I mean, it's partly maybe why you've agreed with your friends not to talk about it. Because information isn't, isn't effective in enlightening people or in our own enlightenment. Knowledge isn't, isn't the route to, to sentience, to deeper awareness. I don't think it's dispensable either, because this is why it's a weird, feels like a catch-22, because actually there's a whole bunch of uh, rationales for just throwing out any kind of facts, whether they're overt or covert, but essentially there's a lot of ideological agendas now which are impervious to the facts, and they're even arguing that there's no such thing as objective reality, therefore... It's whatever, you know, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth, right? There's that, there's that's a really slippery slope. Hmm. So what's the middle way between being imprisoned by facts to being imprisoned by subjectivity in which we don't have to, you know, pay attention to any facts. We can just trust in, well, I don't know what. I mean, what's what happens? What do you trust in? Maybe that's... Yeah. That's where I'm going with this. If you're going to let go of the need to refer to knowledge to make your decisions, then are you just going to trust in institutions to make your decisions for you? Bad. Or are you going to develop your inner sense and trust in that? Yeah. Good. Yeah. 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 I had, and you say I never tried more. 
You know, I'm not saying I want to go back to stone ages and not have a doctor to treat me. Absolutely not. Um, I'm just, I'm just saying that um, the medicine that we have is curing a lot of problems that we that we have been producing ourselves. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And so, and then it's creating. Well, I mean, the the vaccine. Oh yeah. The non-vaccine being a perfect current example. It's it's yeah. supposedly solving one problem, but it's creating all these other problems. Um, chemotherapy is another obvious example. If that cures anyone of cancer, which I doubt, I think statistically your recovery rate's just as good if you don't do it as if you do it. It's really tossing a coin. Uh, but anyway, even if it is, sometimes it's only doing it by by attacking the. The, the, the biology and breaking down so it's very assaultative um, anyway I mean I, do, I don't know enough about it but I'm sure there's countless countless cases where you could say that this kind of cure or this kind of medical advance and that's leaving aside how they've done it through the vivisection through all kinds of institutions mm. the World Health Organization being obviously one that are polluting the environment massively and therefore adding to the right so essentially, yeah. I would say we were better off in the Stone Ages. I really would. I don't yeah. want to go back myself. I just had my teeth cleaned at the dentist, yeah. and I'm glad I've got yeah. these. But I don't. Whatever. I can't. I don't see that one becomes a hypocrite just because one is using some of the benefits of something that one says is destructive. If it was up yeah. to me, I'd say get rid of all of it. I'll take my chances. Right? But it's not up to me. Yeah. You were just mentioning it. That was a few minutes ago. You were mentioning that uh, we are over-challenged with um, all the news, or all the news lines raining down on us, so to say. You know, all the um, all the propaganda, or not just necessarily propaganda, um, but basically all the information that we can perceive, all the information that are available, and it's obviously impossible to take in all the information and weigh them against each other and i think people have started creating their own uh, reality you know their own perception of reality and um, so they they have contrasting realities and they seem to live this is something that i've heard from other people and something that I've experienced myself that it we've passed the point where it does make any sense to have a discussion with someone. Mm. Just like you said, you could you could forward your information that you put under under your, your article to, to someone. And that someone could say, no, don't don't even send it to me, don't bother. I have uh, information that, that tell me the opposite story. You know, and it's impossible to come to a conclusion because while even if you made a sincere attempt to do that, to, to weigh all those uh, information against each other and come to a conclusion, even during the time while you're doing that, there are so many more information being produced and being spread um, that, that, you know, whatever you might come up with might be invalid by the time you, you, you think you have a solution. I think this is true for this uh, COVID 
situation for the great COVID divide. But then I think opposites might not be that far apart from each other. Um, you know, I, I can give a very simplistic example. If we watch a movie, I could say, I liked it. And the next best, best thing to say was, would be, um, I didn't like it. And any differentiation in between would actually be farther away from those complementary things, I think. But certainly they're closer together than I didn't watch it and I don't want to see it. That would be the, right? Not even partaking in this, this polarity of consensus. Yeah. You see what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah, but what I, where I'm going at is some people who say, no, I don't want the vaccine. I definitely don't want it. They might, they, they might, they might change their mind just like that and say, okay, you know what, I'm going to take, let's, let's just get it over with, you know, that's, I think, I think that does happen. Uh, I think you need to unpack it a bit more. I think most of the people who would listen to this, if it's a podcast, uh, are people who'd say, I'm not going to take the vaccine and even I'll never take the vaccine. And maybe some too. of them, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to take it. Definitely right. So, not. so, you know, so, okay. So then how do you fit into this model then? Cause you're, you're, you're different from the people that you're saying might switch from, I'm not going to take it to, oh, I will take it. Right. You're saying yeah. that's, that's not you. So what's the difference between you and these people that seem to be taking one position, but can easily switch to the other opposite. Um, it's, it's just a topic that I'm very serious about this vaccine, uh, this, this COVID divide. I'm, I'm very serious about this and I'm convinced that it's absolutely wrong to take this vaccine. So I'm not going to do it. I have very strong feelings about this and I'm convinced, you know, so I'm not going to change my mind over this, but if people are not that involved, if they just, you know, sit through this time or go through this time, whatever, and a, a bit more passive, you know, there are not, not just people who say, it's absolutely right, we need to do this. And not just people who say, no, this is, this is morally wrong and we cannot have our society changed like that. There are a lot of people in between. And these people might tend towards one side or the other. And then, you know, it, it might just be a question of what day you talk to them. One day mm -hmm. they might say this, the other day they might say that. Mm -hmm. So are these people, would you say, are these, is it a point to do with them being swayed by which information or which YouTube they video, video they watch on, on, on a particular day? Or is, is it something subtler? No, maybe it's, maybe it's that simple, really. Maybe it's that simple. Although I, I think, I, I think that most people would actually get the vaccine because there is so much pressure building up. But even if they have, even if they share our point of view, they will not find it especially hard to change their point of view. You know, it doesn't matter what you say today if you get certain information and if you get under a bit of social pressure, a lot of people will just do the very opposite thing 
of what they may have said a few days ago. And it won't matter to them. Because that's where I was going with this uh, thesis that opposites are really not that far apart. But are they opposites, really? It seems to me these are lukewarm people on both sides. They're lukewarm against, or okay. they're lukewarm for, as opposed okay. to the hot and cold of, you or I, we're hot about it, we're just saying, fuck no. I mean, I don't feel, if it wasn't for the fact, maybe you're the same, if it wasn't the fact that I'm surra- I feel potentially surrounded by people saying, fuck yes, I wouldn't need to put a fuck in front of my no. I just go, no, no thanks. But yeah. the more pressure there is, even if it's partly imaginary, because I'm just hearing it second or third hand, but the more aware I am that there's a pressure, there's a consensus, there's a, there's a, a movement. Uh, I can't think of the word now, but, you know, it's this, this gravitational pull again. Uh, the more I feel, okay, I'm going to have to stand my ground now. Right, so that make, that does make me hotter, but yeah. anyway, what was I saying? Hot and cold. Um, yeah, so these lukewarm people. Um, isn't it back to the social pressure? And they're just saying, well, which is the winning side? And okay, so everyone's going that way. All right, I guess I'll reconsider my position, yeah. or I'll watch a different yeah. video. Okay, now I can feel okay about it. Yeah, I think so. I think this is, I think that's very ordinary. I think it's very ordinary too. And then there's two obvious factors here, which I'm sure you're aware of, uh, why people would do it. And one is, I've forgotten what the other one was now, um, but one is that their family members are doing it. Yeah. So then there's a, there's just an increased inclination to, Well, we talked about at the beginning, yes, but that's your pack. So if you see people you love doing it, then you think, well, how bad can it be? Right? And, well, it's already, if it is bad, it's already bad enough that they've done it. So better to just stop thinking about it being bad and think, well, maybe it's okay. And then, yeah. yeah? Yeah. So it relieves the cognitive dissonance. Yeah. So that's one reason. I can't remember what the other one was now, but it'll come. And that's a big one. And it can be quite tedious or tiring to keep thinking about this, you know, day in and day out, asking yourself, am I right? Is there something wrong with my perception of reality, you know, having this inner discussion with yourself, or maybe even this actual discussion with people around you. A lot of people are not really willing to have this. Um, And so they can just, you know, take a certain step, take the vaccine, and get over with it. Yeah. Once they've committed themselves like that, there is no going back and things since there is no going back, doesn't make any sense to have a discussion. They can or just or to think about it, even to think yeah. about it. Yeah, and I remember what the other reason was. Now it's the obvious one is that people want freedom of movement. 
again. Yeah. They want they want things to go back to normal. So there's such a strong impetus for that. Um, but at the same time, they might be picking on those uh, who do not who do not get uh, the vaccine because they might blame those for uh, for uh, new cases, and they might blame those for restrictions imposed on us. Um, you know, this this might happen. Yeah, right. I'm sure it is happening already. Yeah. So do you feel that... This is back to the identity, I think, potentially, because you're saying, well, you feel your identity is okay, it's stable, because you know a couple you know, close people who, are, who see things the way you see. But potentially that can lead to huddling, which is, you know, when animals get closer together to feel safer. And uh, in the meantime, do you feel that you're potentially under more pressure from a larger number of people that are less important to you or being viewed skeptically? Even if you're not talking about it, they know your position. So is that potentially increasing the pressure to conform and by, by definition, therefore, to to resist you see what i mean because either you submit or you push back those are the two obvious options i think there is a third option but you know, the tendency is if you're not going to submit like i say you put it becomes not just no thank you but fuck no and then fuck you right? yeah. it can go in that direction i think there is a third option you can just uh, play along where it's necessary but uh just play along and don't let anyone know what you truly think because it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I could just enter a supermarket and refuse to wear a mask because I think it's nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. But that would just get me into trouble. I could make a statement by doing that. And the first person that approaches me, I could tell him, fuck you. Or <laughs> I could... <st> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I could not, yeah, <laughs> um, could not uh, end my, continue my shopping tour then, though. Um, or I could have a discussion with them, but, you know, uh, I could also just, uh, what I'm, where I'm going at it is, is uh, it, it does really make sense, you know, I could, I could make a statement there, but that would be it. It would be my moment of making a statement. And then some security would show up and, and tell me to to leave, uh, to to leave that place, uh, and I could get into a discussion or I could get into a fight, and in the end I'd just be the crazy one and I would not convince anyone. It's impossible because I think we've passed the point where it makes sense to have a discussion with anyone. Not not you're not truly getting through to to anyone, and so I think. The best way, at least this is what I tell myself and what my wife and, and I have agreed on, uh, the best way to, to get through this time is to just play along as long as you can and protect yourself and protect those that are close to you. And uh, don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid. Don't get manipulated. Um, yeah, maybe I'm striving from what you were saying before. 
No, no. It means straying. Striving means str- struggling. Yeah. No, no. I yeah. think it's a good. I think. I think we're getting to a good, a really important question. Where to draw the line? And it's a very. Well, I'm really hesitant to refer to your history as a German, even though I have already. But it's it's got to be a particularly meaningful one to somebody who did grow up being constantly reminded of your history. Um, that going along to get along doesn't always work, right? But then neither does resistance. If you, you know, if you draw attention to yourself, you might just get rounded up more quickly but on the other hand if you just say well I'll be fine as long as I keep my head down no actually that didn't work either so choosing your battles is really important now I'd absolutely agree a supermarket's not the place to have a battle um, I mean my I, I've been uh, st- I was actually was coming out of supermarket I, w- I was stopped by two Guardia Seville here in Spain and they I won't go into the whole story, but anyway, they it seemed as though I got fined twice. One for pulling my mask down slightly <laughs> while I was in the supermarket, and they were watching through the window. And the other was I made the mistake of telling them where I lived, even though it wasn't necessary information. They said, oh, you shouldn't be here in this town because your nearest town is here. So I'd, in a, I'd inessentially traveled to, yeah. to, to use a better supermarket. Um, yeah. So it seemed that they'd written me two fines, but these fines never showed up. So I think it was all just a bluff. But I mention it because after that, I thought, and I didn't have any fuck you while that was happening. I didn't yeah. kind, of, kind of, can you give me a break? You know, they've only just yeah. changed the law a few days ago. It's hard to keep up, etc. I did a little bit of my usual, let's see if I can negotiate with the forces of control. And usually it's effective, or often it is. But, um, uh, but I didn't. I didn't have. I didn't want to stand my ground and say. Obviously, I'm not going to say to the cops. It's all a lie. There's no pandemic, or, or etc. etc. It doesn't even work with somebody in a supermarket. Never mind with somebody whose job is to enforce the law. But internally, I also didn't feel any need to. You know, stand my ground there. That. I mean, to, to put it in a very dodgy way, they're just doing their job. I understand that. They, they might not even believe in what they're doing. Yeah. And at that point, they weren't doing anything horrific. Yeah. They, were, they were just finding me, right? So there was no reason to take a moral position, is, is my point, part of my point. And the other part, and very related, is that I realised after that, I decided that I, whenever possible, I will obey the law as it is, and, and I extend this in a very metaphysical sense to obey the law of matter, that we have to recognize that physical reality has certain restrictions and limitations, and that sometimes we don't like them. A lot of the time we don't. If you're renovating a house, you can't get around the laws, you know, that a nail won't go in, you know, if, if, if there's a knot in the wood. You've just got to find another place to put the nail in. That's the law of matter. And, and so my view is, is that the totalitarian system, in a certain sense, is an extension of the law of matter. It's just that matter can be oppressive. So as long as obeying the law doesn't infringe upon my own health and integrity, 
And so the mask is a, it's a blurry area there because you ca I can't breathe in the damn thing. So, mm. so I'm not gonna not gonna wear it if nobody's around just because it's the law because that's idiocy. But mm. so it's a combination of just being practical. I yeah. don't want to get fined. I don't want to get into trouble. With this is the law. So being a rebel isn't necessarily going to be the right approach as it gets more and more oppressive. I might just single myself out for persecution. Mm. So, so, but then there are points at which, and we might not see them, we're complying with the law of this, that slippery slope, and we're, we're compromising our own integrity of, of who we are, and so we're complicit, we're becoming complicit with something that is oppressing humanity. That, that is true, that is true, and it enrages me too. It, it, it actually makes me very angry um, because I have to go along, I have to play along, I have to respect those rules just because they are rules and they don't make any sense. And I get the feeling that this is just some way to put people down, to just uh, let them show their commitment to the authorities, really. You know, this is, this is one way of uh, an autocratic elite to make sure that people follow them by demanding gestures of submission. And I, and I think wearing such a mask in public places is just such a, uh, such a gesture. You know, you, you even have to wear this mask in the parking lot now. And I don't do this, by the way. I don't do that. Uh, I, I take it off once I leave the supermarket. And I've never been approached by a security or a policeman. But uh, that might happen. And uh, to be honest, I don't care too much about it. I just ask politely how much it is I will have to pay and, you know, just, just do it now. Um, mm. Well, here in, Sp in Spain, it's uh, you have to wear a mask everywhere. Yeah. Or you get fined. People wear their masks old people walking through nature miles from any human being they're, they're wearing their masks yeah right that's how cowed the cowards are here not coward in the sense of yeah. weak but the, it's a freemasonic term oh cowans it's coward it's a freemasonic term for people who aren't freemasons uh and there's even something around hoods and things in freemasons so i agree that there's something symbolic going on here that's more than just symbolic getting people to comply against their own felt sense of what's true or real or healthy. And that is my statement that I, that I actually do make. You know, I, I just said I, I play along and I do when I see it doesn't make sense to go to get into trouble. But, you know, I, I take my mask off as often as I can. But still, I think you should pick your fights, your, your, your fights wisely. You know, yeah. you cannot get into fights uh, too often because where are you down it doesn't make any sense yeah well for me my situation I mean I've just moved to Spain I'm not a resident yet oh uh, yeah I'm, I'm sort of barely legal so in terms oh, of att attracting attention I have to be more careful than usual mm -hmm. so um, yeah th that's a thing I, and I think that those of us who, as you said about the Pfizer or the fake vaccine thing, um, we, we pretty much know 
that we've we've certain lines we're aware that we've drawn right so going along with the mask or whatever else obviously not not the vaccine not something that actually harms us but or others but going along can also be strategic and i don't just mean to avoid trouble but i mean to be more effective in terms of I don't know what word to use because I don't believe in the resistance movement. I don't believe mm. in subversion particularly, um, but to to be to be aligning with a counter current, with an, mm. right? And and so I think where this is still blurry is that there are other humans out there who are going along, as we've said, just because they can't see anyone else who isn't going along. So then there is a reason theoretically rip the fucking mask off and yeah. say I'm not going to wear the mask just so someone else can see it or there is a reason to have a confrontation with somebody or as tricky as these are because that person might be somebody who, who you agree with it might you might but you might not find out except by risking yeah. a confrontation and they might go oh you don't buy this bullshit either oh thank god I found somebody yeah. <laughs> it's tricky it's it's so yeah. like invasion of the body snatchers walking in the thing and just checking and but but if you're too obvious then the whole horde you know falls on you right but if you don't signal at all you might not recognize one of one of us there are demonstrations going on in germany um and i thought about joining one but i haven't done it so far maybe well, that, that's another really good subject, actually, because my sister was going to join one in Canada, even though she, she's in Spain, so she wouldn't be able to physically join, but she was just pleased that it was happening, and she was going to join, and I, and I just said, oh, don't, don't do that, don't do that. Right? Do you really want to flag yourself and say, over here, I'm part of the resistance? Like, like who does that? Naive people do that. And I've even gone so far as to say, and this, this is going to seem harsh probably, and so maybe I'll have to reconsider it, but that I almost wish that there weren't people resisting because as long as you or I are just in a tiny minority of outliers, they don't care. It's just like, well, there's a few stragglers here. But if it becomes a movement, then, right, then, then you or I, even just by association, uh, it's harder just to slip through the cracks. But, I mean, I can't say I wish there wasn't a movement because the humans do what they do. I, I, I just wish people were less naive because if people think they're going to change the course of yeah. institutional science and, and totalitarian one-world government by protesting, they're not. They're not. No, the only I, I, reason is to connect to other people. There's, yeah. there's meaning, meaning in that, but otherwise yeah. it's just... I, I don't think that uh, demonstrations will have a direct effect on politics. I don't think so, no. No, it's, it's just about making a statement uh, that people know um, that, that there are dissidents and they do have a voice and a strong opinion and they do not want to be pushed around and don't want to be forgotten. Well, sure, that signals something, as I say, to other people, oh, thank God I'm not alone. But again, a real dissident Uh, I mean, real dissidence, we're going to use that term, is only going to be effective if it's, if it's 
calibrated the degree of the threat correctly. And I would say that based on the degree of the th threat, the only kind of distance is, is under the radar, very discreet. <laughs> it's not mm. some sort of mass movement. Now, having said that, we're talking, and this is supposed to be for a podcast, it could be behind the play wall. I'll let you decide that. Because I am, you know, I'm trying to become less public for partly for this very reason that it's, it's uh, we're we're at the eleventh hour now, so it's not. If it was ever a game, it's not now, it's, and it's not a metaphor. Life during wartime isn't a metaphor anymore. We we mm. are in a new kind of war that none of us have ever seen before. It's 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 a mimetic warfare. It's information warfare. It's. Um, and it's all against all. It's it's you know literally anyone can be, uh, uh, you know, uh, become an agent of the matrix, as long as they're plugged in. And you turn around, and who is your brother, your sister, your mother, your friend? Suddenly they've got a a, a vaccine needle pointed at you. <laughs> take it, take it. <laughs> Staying calm is, is, is the key. Staying calm and staying reasonable and staying 
open and to back yeah back to this thing of taking a position and making a stand I would say that that's that's for no one else but oneself essentially as in I have to just stay rooted and calm in what I I know is going on keep checking in internally keep breathing keep referring to what my senses are telling me keep spending time in nature and checking in with nature and say oh nature's all right and nature's still here uh, the things that keep us more and more rooted yeah. in our in our own body and our own reality makes us like a strong you know bow that can't be blown over by the first meme that lands in our inbox yeah there is always beauty between all this certainly there are squirrels in our backyard and mm -hmm. uh, we feed them with walnuts and uh, they, they take their time eating those walnuts the squirrels it's fun watching that through the window so that's what i thought this morning when i was looking out the kitchen window that no matter what happens there is always beauty right yeah so nature even comes to you in that regard yeah Mm. Yeah, and it's beautiful and it's aesthetic and that makes it righteous somehow. You, know, you think there is a um, that aesthetics and righteousness go along? I do. Yeah, truth is beauty and beauty is truth. This is all you know and all you ever need to know. That's uh, Keats. You need to define our beauty and aesthetics in a broad sense there for, for, for that to be true. I mean. uh, well, back to the inner, inner sense, isn't it? I don't think that that maxim or that principle that truth is beauty is going to carry much sway in the supermarket or when they're trying to fine you or, right? or with your doctor when he's forcing you to take the vaccination. Um, and yeah, beauty's in the eye of the beholder is kind of given free reign to all kinds of ugly distortions yeah. to become king, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so beauty has to be, a, it's harmony, isn't it? I mean, the mathematicians have this kind of sense that there are certain formulas that are beautiful because they're, they're absolutely harmonious and um, coherent. So I think that, that that's a, there's a geometrical arrangements in nature and in our bodies that are just naturally harmonious, if that's not tautolo tautology, they're natural and they're harmonious. Uh, like breathing, for example, in and out. So that, that's that's the thing to refer to, not as a principle, a philosophical principle, but that we can, like you and the squirrels, we can actually have a felt experience of our own part in truth and beauty of existence every every breath we take i think that's the only thing that can make a difference when we're when the zombie hordes are after our brains 
<laughs> Unfortunately, it seems to mean standing there and saying, okay, take my brains, okay, uh, you know, the, the Jesus solution is you don't, you turn the other cheek. In that case, you have to aim for the head. We've learned that. <laughs> well, no, that, that's the American solution, is blowing their brains out. <laughs> yeah. You're not talking about the walking dead. Well, yes, I am, but not the <laughs> fantasy we all have of being able to shoot people and, and have no guilt, but the yeah. the much more horrifying and frightening possibility that we have to follow in the footsteps of Christ when he went up the hill to Calgary and, and got crucified because it was God's will. We don't actually know. And we're not, none, none of us get out of this alive. That's why I'm. That's, that's the main reason I'm against all this crap because we're not going to avoid death anyway. So just, just accept it. Yeah. Just why can't we just accept that our physical survival can't become a priority? It does. We become much less than animals, because animals are just our animals. So of course their their instincts are to survive. But even animals will choose procreation over survival and even animals will save other animals at their own risk it's youtube videos of that too right so even animals don't put survival before everything but humans do right because of the fear we've been yeah, yeah indoctrinated with fear for, for centuries and a focus on the outer world. Like, you know, we, we just look at the outer world and that defines our, that defines our reality completely. There's almost nothing else. And whatever else there might be is being evaluated. Um, and, and the relevant question always is, does it help you perform better business? Mm -hmm. or, or then it becomes hmm? sorry it, it can be in marriages as well I mean there's all kinds of ways we get tricked into uh, you know taking the program or taking the programming or embracing the the fake solutions that have been handing us it's, you know, about becoming an optimal performer yeah um, but yeah it's, if we're not even these back to the eight essentials if we're not even yeah. doing the most basic things in a way that's natural and how i don't know how we yeah. think we can perform socially or economically or in these other ways death has become unthinkable i think it's uh it's not an option ever it's it's unthinkable it must not happen yeah. And although we, we, we know it will happen in the end, yeah. like you said nobody gets out alive, um, we, we cannot confront this fact, we cannot accept this fact, society can't accept this fact. And if you want to spread fear, uh, you, you just have to mention that people will die. And it's happening every day. The numbers, yeah, they keep putting the numbers on the screens, millions yeah. and millions of deaths, leaving out the fact that it's the same number of deaths roughly as every yeah. year. Yeah, right? yeah. 
Right, so it's so easy to manipulate. There's a whole thing I, could, I did talk to Sheldon Solomon about this recently, but it feels like not recently enough now because things are moving so fast. But his terror management theory was on a podcast. Just how how the fear of death is, is the handle you know, with which we are manipulated. The broomstick that's been shoved up our ass and turned us into these puppets of cultural enslavement. Um, and of course, the the prerequisite to that is to being cultured in such a way and disembodied in such a way that death, as you say, becomes unthinkable. So then, anything that makes us think about it has to be that we have this extreme reaction. What can we do? Yeah, so it has to be. To... It has to be averted, and no price will be too high to pay. And freedom will be sacrificed in order to avert death. So I think that this is an identity problem, death. If you see what I mean by that, as in a mind, as a mind problem. And you even said to the people that they can't think about death; it's unthinkable. No. Right? We but can't the body, comprehend. The body, the body can. Body, body knows about death. Yeah, we can't comprehend it, and uh, well, obviously. We will never be able to to comprehend it, but you know, like perfection, it's something you could strive for. It's something you could you could you could try to learn, knowing that you will not succeed, but that that maybe you you might learn to deal with it a bit better, to become familiar with the existence of death. We've got lots of traditions for dealing with death, but they've mostly been discredited, and some of them rightly, I suppose. You know, as in, uh, mummy's gone to heaven, she'll be there when, you know, she'll wait for yeah. you when you die. The, the fairy tales we've been given, I think it's right that they haven't really stood the test of time. But, again, I'd say that the body does understand death. Well, how could it not? And is okay with it. Now, if we're being chased by a lion, I've used this analogy before, we have adrenaline to help us escape the lion. So there is a natural physiological fear reaction to a threat of death. But if we get caught by the lion, like Livingston apparently testified, he obviously didn't die because he could testify, he said he went, his body went into total relaxation and he felt bliss while he was being thrown around by a lion. Because there's nothing he could do. You can't, you can't fight a lion. So the body knows how to deal with death, it knows how to avoid death when it can, and when it can't, it knows how to accept it, or it just does mm. accept it. So uh, there's a relatively new addition to the human organism, well, relatively, maybe it's the Garden of Eden again, so maybe it's there in the creation, but so I'll leave that open, but it's, it's, it seems to be a foreign element in the human organism that... that um, has to do with shutting, shutting down our senses and it has to do with a trauma-fragmented sort of identity that is a buffer against unbearable reality and that somehow death has become the boogeyman that constantly reminds us that there's something terrifying waiting for us. And I would say that there's a correlation because if we live a disembodied life, when we die, 
we're going to have to see all the stuff we didn't let ourselves see when we die. I mean, maybe that's literally true, but just say metaphorically anyway, that all that unconscious matter hasn't been lived, processed. It's going to have to, you know, it's going to have to have its day, judgment day, uh, when, you know, when, when we're too weak to keep it at bay, when we've got no more defences. So there is a, there is a natural fear, a natural fear. <laughs> it's inevitable for the identity to fear death because the identity is keeping out of awareness life. So, so I think it's a vicious circle there. Um, and I do think it's, uh, it is about identity, like what people are fighting to protect and preserve. It's not even bodily. It's not even bodily death that they're keeping at bay, really. It's, because they're not, clearly. They're taking solutions that put them at greater risk. Uh, and as I said recently, the zero deaths, um, no, sorry, the zero risk that's that's the aim of these policies, right? Is zero risk. I don't know if you've heard that phrase. You heard no, that not phrase? really. No. Yeah, zero risk. Well, what what kind of state is there for the human organism that's zero risk? Yeah, it's death. Death. Yeah. If you're dead, there's zero risk. But that's it. There's yeah. no way to live in a zero risk conditions. Yeah. It's impossible. So I think people are unconsciously they're actually seeking death because their identities have become so tormenting to them. Hmm? It's, it's, it's give me, what is it? Give me freedom or give me death? No, it's, it's the opposite. Hmm? They're saying, if it's, if it's freedom or death, I'll take death. Because freedom is so frightening. Yeah, I guess so. I guess freedom itself can be quite frightening. I guess a lot of people don't really want to be free. I mean, really free, like perceptually and cog yeah. cognitively free, so that only you make your choices. You've got no outside authority. All you've yeah. got is the inner sense yeah. to guide you. That, that's, that's terrifying. Yeah. People, yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people are afraid in a general kind of way. And now it's this uh, COVID story that uh, keeps them busy, that, that, that draws their attention. Um, but basically they're, they're afraid all the time and they want to be told what to do. So they do not have to deal with the things they're afraid of, with uh, consequences of decisions they, they might make. They don't want to take, they don't want to make decisions. They don't want a responsibility for themselves. They like to be told what is true. They like to be told what to do. And yeah, I'm generalizing. Oh. No, and it's, it's, all, it's all of us to some degree as well. Yeah, it's, you're right. If we, if we don't make a decision ourselves, we don't, we feel that even if it goes horribly wrong, we can blame someone else so we don't have to blame yeah. ourselves. Right? So. Yeah, exactly. I was just about to say that before I interrupted myself. I mm. don't, don't want to come across like I'm, I'm that much different, you know? I'm, I'm not saying this. All people want someone to blame for their own misery. You know, that will 
that's what I was about to say next. Um, people also like to blame others and they like to be told who to blame. Or they like to see who is obviously to blame for what's not what's what's not right around. So it's a bad situation in that context because um it's an echo there. If people are not blaming the institutions, the mainstream media, the the, uh, the government, the autocrats anymore, but putting their absolute trust in them to make their decisions for them. I mean, maybe 10 years down the line, they might start, if they lived that long, they might start blaming the institutions they trusted. But in the meantime because they need people to blame, they're likely to start blaming each other, as you said, about if not, why aren't you conforming? I mean, everyone needs to conform, we all need to submit to this so that we can all be aligned, and that's the only way it's going to work. Yeah. And that's an attraction of uh, authoritarianism, I think, being part of a huge group, not having to deal with those difficult questions all the time, not, uh, not having to make an effort to maintain your identity, um, because the group around you is reflecting your identity, and you know what to do since you're a part of this great struggle against the virus. You have a mission, and so you, you do have an enemy. People like that. People like those great stories, you know, like the fight against the communism some time ago, mm -hmm. the empire of evil. That's what mm -hmm. people like. That's what sticks. Well, terrorism was, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Bleep it out. That was more recently. Yeah, yeah. it's gone from, I, 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 I noticed this actually, I thought about it, gone from communism uh, I guess the war on drugs, we could say, because communism went for a long time, into the 80s. And in the 80s, the war on drugs began. I'm talking about America here, but America sort of is, you know, represents the Western world in some ways, unfortunately. Uh, war on drugs. Then it was the, um, the war on terror. <clears throat> and now it's the war on COVID. So <clears throat> it's like the... But we see similar policies extending and advancing throughout this war. And the war is becoming more and more closer to the war on everyone. Because <clears throat> drug drug dealers, it could be anyone. <clears throat> uh, terrorism, again, anyone. And, uh, and now COVID, it literally is everyone, potentially. Right? It's totally invisible. The threat's you know, less and less visible and more and more uh, just to do with other human beings. And unwinnable. <clears throat> You know, a war, a war with no end. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't want to end, you know, on such a negative viewpoint, but I would say that <clears throat> there is a positive side to this, which is that, and you're saying, when we focus on the outside, we lose our way. Well, I would say that it's because we're focusing on the wrong things in the outside, because if you focus at those squirrels, if I'm walking in nature and I look at what's in nature, it is going to be guiding me. But if we're focusing on the internet, you know, 
mainstream media and news and YouTube and, and Netflix and, and obviously it's not going to guide us because no. it's, it's, it's mostly propaganda um, <clears throat> but so but I would say that because we've become less and less conscious of our inner lives um, the distortions the internal distortions that are unaddressed internally in the unconscious stuff is more and more manifesting externally and so what's going on globally collectively is more and more mirroring our own unconscious Uh, and so then this this accelerating war that's becoming the war of all against all uh, is is in a certain sense it's um, uh, the symptoms written large on the human body, so we can really start to see this is what we've created, and this is what we've denied in our own nervous systems and our own psyches. This is what's been un- unaddressed. So I I do see a solution in it. I really do. I see like look at the world and the outside but only as a mirror and a reference, a way to turn inward and then, and then follow the gaze, or follow the reflection. I do this when I'm looking for properties in Galicia. I've got, I've got the, the physical map on Google Earth, but then I have to find them actually physically by driving and walking on the land. And it's almost impossible to make the two correlate. It's very difficult, but it is possible. And when the two intersect, obviously I don't need the, app, the map anymore. I've, I've found, but I'm also getting to know the lay of the, the land. So I think something similar happens where if, we're, if we're able to really calmly see what's going on and then bring it inward to the, to, to the um, point of reference within us that understands and, and what's happening, then we've potentially located the implant in ourselves that, that needs to be dissolved. Or integrate the thing that makes us complicit, the thing that makes us susceptible to the herd mentality. That's what we want to get free of, isn't it? It's the identity. Yeah. I don't know if that does that pass for optimism. That's, I mean, that that's that's me trying to be optimistic. Anyway. That sounds quite optimistic. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a good attitude. I mean, what's what's the point about being too negative, about being too pessimistic? Um, doesn't make any sense either. So, being optimistic, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't try to be optimistic for its own sake. I just try to be accurate. Now you, 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 I get it. You, you don't bring yourself to be optimistic. You just found out that um, you, you have this optimistic tendency, and this is this is true for you. And at the same time, you appreciate. Yes, that is just fine. There's something bigger going on, and we've only got, you know, a very small part of the data. As you said already, we're never going to work it all out mentally through information because there's just too much. But if we refer to our bodies, yeah, we'll find there's discomfort and there's some things in there that maybe shouldn't be there, even before this damn vaccine. 
Uh, again, that's a literalization of something that maybe has already been installed in this trauma, trauma in our bodies. So, um, so yeah, we'll find this discomfort and there's things that shouldn't be there, but they are there, and the, the system as a whole can return to balance if we let it. It can naturally just return to balance. Now, the whole human collective, uh, well, it's outside my jurisdiction, right? But my own nervous system, it doesn't seem overly optimistic or, you know, uh, doesn't seem unrealistic to think that I could just restore balance in my own nervous system. I do think it does mean getting out of society, though, I have to say. That's where I'm... People would say I was pessimistic. Mm. Right? I think it does mean that you can't rely on society or civilization for much longer to take care of our needs. The price is too high. It's, it's demanding more and more. It's eventually demanding our souls in return for comfort and security. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a harder thing for a parent of young children, particularly, to 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 face. But it's not sure it's not that hard. I mean, just to find property in nature and just take your family there. I'm not, not really advising this. I wouldn't want to be in that position to you, but just to, you know, in a general sense, if, if yeah. things do start looking that bad, it's not that big a leap, I don't think, to go back to how we were living 200 years ago. <clears throat> you yeah, said you was... wanted to go back in time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say how I'd, far. I'd, you said how far? <laughs> how far back do we have to go? I don't. I don't actually want to go back in time. No. Um, I was just asking myself whether uh, the cause of events could have been a different one. Um, if it was possible to go back in time, start all, all over again. Not all over again, but you know, start. You know, making changes certain moment in history well I would say to come back to that third time then that yeah, you don't have to go very far back just pre-industrial revolution to the you know, agriculture you don't have to become a nomad hunter-gatherer and but then it's not about <clears throat> uh, making things turn out differently it's about just n not going f anywhere not changing from that point yeah if you see what I mean, just say, okay, this is yeah. as advanced as we need to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there have been some developments been set in motion in uh, political systems and uh, maybe business models, maybe technological standard, you know, maybe it's just inherent in the system that things like this happen. You know, maybe... Maybe it's a characteristic of uh, the system that we live in that uh, sooner or later something like this would happen. Um, because maybe one of the many illusions that we face is that our quality of living is in fact not as high as we 
ordinarily have perceived it to be. You know, maybe it is unimaginable to live in a remote place in a small house um, and be self-sufficient. But maybe uh, this is a, this offers a much more higher quality of living than living in in some city and uh, going through your routines and uh, fulfilling your duties there. But I don't know. It's just the thought crossing my mind. It sounds reasonable. It's, it is ambitious. I feel I'm, whenever I talk about this, and think, well, self I'm so far from self-sufficiency. Well, I've done you know, moved to the country. I haven't even grown a carrot yet. So, uh, no, yeah. But, you know, baby steps. Yeah. I grow a few potatoes, but uh, apart from that, I, uh, I get my food from shelf in the supermarket. Yeah. So, I hope it's not going to change, by the way. <laughs> hmm, well, good luck with that. <laughs> You know it's going to change. Everything's changing. Hmm. Well, just that as a, I think we're winding up now, but just as a, a very profane last point, do you, do you know anyone who's had the COVID? Or believes uh, they have? Yeah, yeah. For a long time I didn't, but now a friend of mine didn't talk to him yet, but I was told. Um, that he had COVID and uh, he supposedly had quite a high fever for one week. That's what I heard. Yeah. For a week, did you say? Yeah. That's what so it's like having the flu then? I haven't talked to him yet, but to me it sounds like that. Well, you know, my assumption anyway is, you know, it's comparable with um, the annual average flu, you know, I, We've, we we know we agree about this, so that's that's how I assume it would be to have it. Uh, if you're old, if you're weak, or maybe both, it can be really dangerous to you. You might die of that. Um, but if you're in good health, uh, it might hit you hard or not so hard, and it might just be uh, an ordinary cold, or you might, be, might, might have to stay in bed for a week. That's what I guess it will be like. Until they release a more deadly strain, <laughs> perhaps open open the next vial of wrath upon us. That was a Revelation reference, yeah. by the way. I can tell a funny story at the end, an, an encounter with a policeman in Hamburg. We did a day trip there, had some appointment there, and um, it was a sunny day, it was sometime during the last year. It was during the time when you were not allowed a lot of things, but you were allowed to uh, sit down on benches next to the water. And we did just that. And we uh, were getting ice cream for our children and uh, ourselves. And uh, there were other people around us. And then a policeman walked up to us. And he said, would you please get up and, and move? And I said, why, why would we do this? There are a lot of people around us. And they said, yeah, but 
they are they are not having ice cream you know we, we got the advice um this is something that's not supposed to be seen here it's not supposed to look like a touristy place so you know it's one thing what you think about it but i have to tell you this please move on i said okay we will do this and we did and there were other people around us uh smoking cigarettes and drinking they were allowed to stay <laughs> that's a funny story isn't it all right you're sending out the wrong message oh i'm sorry i thought it was funny <laughs> no i'm saying the ice cream was the wrong message clearly yeah uh, oh yeah yeah right yeah i was sending out the wrong message to to people passing by yeah yeah you can drink you can smoke you can take off your mask if you if you uh, want to have a smoke that yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah, yeah must yeah. never take it off never but if you want to have a smoke okay go ahead i know a lot of people are probably taking up smoking <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of this week's The Limitless, the podcast between next week. If I get around to it, I'll be returning to reading Rudolf Steiner and focusing on the book of Revelation. It's you.